Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Siren is a Canadian power thrash metal band from Calgary, Alberta, who released their second full-length album titled Heads, to Heads or Tails on August 26, 2022. Siren took a unique approach to their first two albums, telling the same story but from different perspectives. They've been on my radar for a while now, and since I was not able to chat with them during last year's Ladder Cell Countdown, it was only fitting that they get the first spot after this year's fest. Today I am joined by vocalist Sloan Fox and bassist Lix Rose. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So as we were chatting just before the recording here, you said you just finished up practice for today. We did? Oh, yeah. Yep. We're oh, yeah. gearing up for a little bit of a private party show. Mm -hmm. And then um, we have some, you know, some more stuff coming up here in the summer that we're excited for. So yeah, just always practicing, making sure we're at the top of our game. You seem pretty consistent with all this stuff. Like you just told me that you practice from one to three hours when you guys do get together. So how often are you practicing and is it is it consistent? It is, yeah. We try to get in uh, once a week at the very least. Mm -hmm. If we're leading up to a show, sometimes we'll get two in a week just to make sure that we're like super prepared for it and whatnot. Um, but yeah, weekly is, is the norm. It's gotta be good to have that consistency and then also the length of the practice. Like I, I would think an hour is super tiring, but going up to three hours every week, that's gotta be exhausting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends kind of where you're at in your week. Sometimes you had a great week and you can just plow right through it. And sometimes you've had not such a great week and you're uh, forgetting your words, even though you wrote them and having to do them again a little bit yeah. and some sour notes. It's you also, know, it's... we have that much material too. An hour of practicing doesn't get us through all of our stuff necessarily. Mm -hmm. Plus we're always trying to write at least something new every jam. So that's what kind of extends it, I would say for us. Yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit of uh, writing versus just practicing ratio component when we jam. Interesting. You go through all of your material every practice or majority of it? Not always. I mean, it depends. You know, sometimes if somebody's got something to do at a certain time and we have to cut it, you know, after an hour, then we just practice the set. If we've got, you know, a little bit more time, then we'll um, look into songs that we're writing or possibly write some more, hear any new riffs that or ideas that anyone has. And then just kind of go with the flow on that for jam. Yeah, fair enough. And you're consistently writing new stuff. So are you writing even if you're not going to include it with new material? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're always writing. Yeah. We try to. We are yeah. currently writing. Yeah. <laughs> Album three is on yeah. the go. <laughs> oh yeah. Right now, as this is being recorded, it's a little bit away from your release. So I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that you can chat about this. Obviously, like we chatted about earlier, that it's going to be coming out after the festival. So there might be some good surprises in there. Um, speaking of loud as hell, so you guys played last year and in 2019, and you've also performed Decimate, Hyperspace, each on more than one occasion, and Metalocalyptic. So if you could choose one, which would you say was the one festival experience that's, that stands out for you? So I'll just do a quick correction. So we were meant to play Hyperspace last year in April, and I ended up getting COVID, so we weren't able. Um, we're hoping to definitely be able to play it in the future, uh, because that was such a bummer that we weren't able to do that. Um, but, I mean... We'd, we'd love to get on the Armstrong bill as well. Yeah. We still have yet to get on that one. Um, but yeah, both Loud as Hell and Decimate are, are great. Decimate, I mean, I'm a bit biased because it's my festival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Loud as Hell is just always such a good time. It's your metal family is there and everyone's just always happy and in such a great mood and you can kind of feel that family vibe. And exactly. yeah, we, we love Jeff and the whole team at Loud as Hell and we'd love to play there anytime we can. I'm glad that you brought up Decimate before we started recording because I just rediscovered today through you that you actually run Decimate. And first off, my question is, are you the Sloan that everybody talks about at Loud as Hell? Probably. Maybe. <laughs> like, do you work Do you work with Jeff closely in, in running, not running Loud as Hell, but doing a lot of things with him? 
I'm actually the volunteer coordinator for Loudest Hell Fest. Okay, okay, that's what I thought, but I couldn't quite remember what you did. Yeah, so I handle kind of um, recruiting anybody who wants to help us out and then scheduling everybody and then helping with training on site and just kind of always being there to help out where we can and then also appointing, you know, managers and delegating tasks and all that kind of fun stuff too. And you've obviously learned that through running Decimate itself. So how did that begin and how has your like journey been? Obviously you've grown, you've um, streamlined the process quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was an attendee at Loud as Hell before I worked with them, but we made very fast friends, and that's kind of where I jumped on board the volunteer train there. And then Decimate came after Loud as Hell, so I kind of had a little bit of experience working with Loud as Hell um, on, you know, the show front itself, but then on the back end with all the bookings and, um, you know, managing the vans and the venues and the timing and the schedules and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm also an administrator and operations manager for my day job. So it's something that I'm used to doing. Um, so it just kind of all fell right into place pretty easily for me, which was nice. And for you, what is the most difficult thing about actually running the festival? <sighs> Honestly, the, running the festival is not the hardest thing. It's the band selection. It's so hard. Choosing like, yeah. I think um, 2019, right before COVID, you know, obviously we weren't able to do our full festival, which sucked, but um, I think we had 300 submissions from kind of all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point, it's it's just like, holy crap, how do you narrow this down to 20, 30 bands? It's, it's really difficult because there's so much talent out there. Mm -hmm. So I'd honestly have to say that's the most difficult part is just picking your roster and going through all the bands and just trying to, you know, make the best lineup that you can. Oh, yeah. Last year, I had a good chat with Jeff about how he kind of selected bands and basically everything loud as hell. And he kind of went through his selection process. So what does that what does that look like for you? And what makes a band stand out in order for them to be featured? Oh, God, yeah. The selection process is basically a weekend full of beer and skip the dishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're there from like the Friday straight through till 2 a.m. on the Sunday, just kind of looking at everything. But I mean, we want to make sure that um, there's content there so that, you know, they're promoting themselves and there there's some music to listen to and reach, maybe yeah some um some merchandise and you know logos and stuff that we can work with and promote with and all that kind of stuff but um certain bands you know have have sent little videos and stuff or they've sent like a almost a cover letter in application for the festival and it's just kind of those bands that go above and beyond that that we do kind of notice a little bit more because they are they are doing that you know, and we do to, listen to every single we do, one every single Absolutely. every single one um sometimes more than once um but yeah just something that helps you to stand out above anyone else or to differentiate yourself from um others because there is so much talent out there and it's very difficult to choose and you know sometimes we'll we can't put them on the main bill we'll put them on the fundraiser or we'll kind of keep them in the bank for a following year all that kind of fun stuff um yeah just be yourselves be genuine and um just try to do what you can to, to stand out so it seems like even if you can't include somebody that you there's some sort of follow-up and they, like you said you keep them in the pocket for next time and does that mean you like offer bands a spot if they weren't selected for say this year's fest sometimes i mean if we can't get them on the fundraiser especially if they're you know a band that's not local or close or within driving distance because we've had bands from the us and bands overseas you know who have reached out to us as well so some of that stuff because you know you have to have the capital in order to, if you're going to do a fly-in or something like that but um yeah if they stand out definitely if, if we say you know maybe we can't make it happen or maybe they can't even make it happen at the time then we just say okay let's touch base again next year and see if we can make it work for the following month yeah fair enough yeah and when it comes to like your personal music, musical preferences how do you work around that when you're putting a band on the bill that you don't necessarily like the style of music 
That's a good point because you actually wanted to be more diverse. I do. These past couple of years. Yeah, these past couple of years, I actually thought about dropping the metal fest and just doing festival because yeah. we have had so many different people. We had this like young orchestra, youth orchestra, and it was just absolutely amazing. And like, unfortunately, they were from overseas, I, remember, I yeah, think, somewhere far. just way far away. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was heartbroken because I would love so much to have them. But, you know, being able to fly in that many people and all their instruments and all that stuff too, and being that they're youth and their parents have to come and you have to, you know, yeah. get all the legalities figured out with that. But um, some sometimes it does break my heart, you know, to not be able to put certain bands on. But um, yeah, that was, that one yeah. was really cool. That, so that many youth orchestra. But we did, you were able to get in like um, dancers and a lot of different yeah, we had a drag show at the last yeah. one yeah. and that went over super well. So I mm-hmm. think we're going to continue to incorporate drag. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we did an air guitar contest, both yes, youth and adult, and that was just an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just kind of weaving some of the fun stuff in there too. Um, as far as genres go, I mean, I'm pretty open to to most anything, um, and I enjoy most anything. So that's not really the difficult part. Sometimes you know that music just hits you, and you're like, yeah, yeah. like we definitely want these guys. Um, but there's a lot of that. So again, yeah. it's, it's hard to choose. Yeah. yeah. So how the fuck do you judge an air guitar contest? <laughs> <laughs> um we, we did a crowd judge so everybody crowd that was there in attendance yeah. um everybody kind of we played a song and everybody just jammed out as best they could and like the the youth one was just amazing but then we had um on the adult one oh yeah this guy yeah, yeah. did a power slide on gravel and we were like oh yeah oh <laughs> like your knees are gonna just yeah. kill you man he was trying really, he was really hard. he was yeah. super dedicated yeah. um yeah so it was just based on um we would go through you know each person that um participated and then we would go by judged on how the crowd enjoyed them and mm-hmm. then that's how we found our winner have you found more success with people who are actually real guitarists versus people who have no idea what they're doing in, no. when it comes to uh, guitar? So. not at all i feel like if you feel the music doesn't yeah. matter if you can play it or not yeah yeah absolutely like yeah yeah there's no technicalities in it people are just giving everything so <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. good they just they have fun and that's what the whole point of it is so yeah, yeah it's great yeah the youth winner was about 12 years old yeah and he just, oh that's cool he's in uh he's in lightning and music school mm-hmm. they they do a lot of shows all the time and um he's solid he's a drummer yeah he just absolutely killed it yeah <laughs> yeah that's gonna feel so good too like being a 12 year old and winning like an oh he was so on good. stage with a bunch of other people yeah we actually had them in studio so one of their prizes was um to come in and record with red black studios or red black recording rather and we actually had them in a few weeks ago for that track and uh yeah they just killed it it was awesome so that'll be coming out in the nice. next few months here too yeah earlier i touched on uh, metal Local lipstick and the reason i did is because i recently had a chat with destiny eric mccosm i've also had a chat with a few other members of different bands one of them being uh, Mar- marley from hyperia and mm-hmm. we talked about women in metal in the female fronted tag so to paraphrase Jesse's opinion, so the label of female fronted is silly, simply because there are no good labels for bands who have female members who aren't vocalists. So she talked about female guitar um, bands, and she also talked about how she would rather be known for her talents in metal rather than being known because she's a woman. So I tend to agree with her on all those points. Frankly, I don't think that being uh, any gender is going to be a selling point. You're going to be good at metal or you're not. It seems like there are still plenty of people who think like you're good for a girl and who are otherwise uh, surprised when Jessie can sing and scream the way she does. So how do you both feel about that tag? And have you ever experienced something similar where somebody is just surprised by you or think less of you because of your sex? Oh yeah. oh yeah, every day. Yeah, people are constantly surprised. But I think that's a good point that like, um, that it's not because you're a girl, like we play metal or music or whatever, because we're not just always in metal specifically as musicians, like we'll do whatever we feel our calling is. <laughs> Um, but the thing about that female thing, at least in my opinion, is it's not 
I think the issue is that people think that female fronted means that it's like rock or that it's metal, but female fronted could just also be a good outreach point for young girls or people that need some role models to sort of look into. Um, and I have the same thing, of course, with my race as well. Um, for people that don't know on the podcast, I am African-American. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, it might be good to have that outreach and to search for social media. There's good points to it, but then there's also the other end where it's like, um, don't assume somebody's good because of this or that, but also like, it's good to have that outreach to sort of reach the fan base that you're looking for. Same thing for me, like I love looking up female bands like Hailstorm and Spirit Box and Evanescence growing up, like that's awesome to me. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think that they were better because they were girls or girls are worse or this and that. And I'm sure you've heard the exact same thing. But. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone works any harder or, or less mm -hmm. harder, you know, no matter what your gender is. Yeah. I do think that you make a good point as far as um, just like having people look up to you because we've mm -hmm. had tons of, um, you know, little girls approach they, us after shows just being like, oh, you're like, you're my new idol and you're an inspiration. And then, you know, a couple of years later, see videos of them singing and yeah. stuff and they're like yeah like and we always try to bring kids up on stage with us when we can um and so one of them was just that like we brought her up on stage when she was probably about i think five oh, and now she's, she's like 11 yeah, and she we was just kind of yeah. yeah we just kind of yeah. like watched her grow and every time we see her she's just like i still remember the first time i was up on stage with you and we're just like that's yeah. so cool that you remember that and that that's like a benchmark in your life it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool so yeah i think it's i think it's great for that but it could be used for good but I yeah think it's, but i think the tag it itself lost. is yeah i get I mean, I guess if you were to look at it on the spectrum of if you if you aren't watching a music video or if you're not seeing them live, like Jesse, for instance, is a good one. Ginger is another good one. Because mm -hmm. if you're not watching them, and you don't know that that's female. You're like mm -hmm. you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a clue mm -hmm. until you saw who they are because they're just so good at what they do. And you know, it's sad that the norm is that the, that the males do all the kind of the growls and all that stuff. But when there's a female that can just knock oh, yeah. it out of the park like them, like oh, it's just yeah music to my soul it's, it's good <laughs> it's so good yeah. like it's either good or it's not right like totally and part of it like having the female front to tag is kind of interest or female members is kind of like you said it's a, it's a good tipping off point and i think it is important because it is such a male dominated area when males and females can both be equally as good one thing i do enjoy about like female bands or with female members is that they bring different qualities to the music and and like vocal range is the biggest thing for me whether it be cleans or or growls like they just have different I don't know if this is the right term, but octaves maybe, or um, different ranges. And that really impresses me because I love the low guttural growls, but I also love the super highs and the the, the, the clean vocal range is incredible for, for the most part. And I just don't see, like I'm quite quite a bit more picky when it comes to male clean vocals versus females. Cause I just think um, overall, just, just women have that better range for me. Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of Beast in Black. I mean, that guy is just, like, I think he could sing me around the freaking park. <laughs> like, right. They're, they're coming, I think, soon yes. to Calgary. And I'm I'm so pumped yes. to go and check them out live because I've, I've been a fan of theirs for quite some time, based in black. But yeah, and the same goes vice versa because a lot of males just like knock it out of the park and surprise you too. And if you weren't seeing them in person, mm -hmm. you would never know the difference if yeah. you're just hearing one something on the radio. Yeah. You said that there's no, like, there's no difference between who works harder and, or, sorry, harder or less. And I think maybe... I disagree only in one point there because I think just with the like the low guttural growls that um, that women do have to work a little bit harder to reach those just because of their their natural voices are generally a bit higher. I think that that's all about technique, honestly. When it comes to that, I've been kind of um, practicing around with a little bit of growls and stuff myself, um, and <clears throat> like it is difficult. I'll give you that. It is not easy to do by any means, unless it's just something that comes totally naturally to you. But um, once you hit that sweet spot. 
it's just like singing. If you were to talk to Jesse about it, like it probably, once she got the hang of it, it was just like second nature to her. Yeah, fair enough. And so how do you get lower growls? Like how, how do you get that low guttural sound? I know it's, I mean, I don't know nothing about that kind of side of things, but. I think a lot of it is, is um, your air support. And a lot of it is just your, um, the shape of your mouth and your throat when you're doing something. Like you have a palate in the back of your throat, so you can do a head voice or a low voice, um, a throat voice, rather a chest voice. You have lots of kind of different ways that you can manipulate your throat and the um, sounds that come out depending on the shape of your throat and your mouth. So a lot of that comes into play with growling and even um, just like you said, different octaves, like a lower octave, you know, you can just do it as you're talking, regular thing. But when you're trying to go higher, you have to kind of switch your palate in the back and get into that head voice in order to get the sound that you really want for myself anyway. So I definitely said octave and not octave. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, Maybe it's an accent. That's fine. <laughs> oh, there's the dog. There's the dog. <laughs> Speaking of the dog, you had him on one of your tracks you were just telling me. So tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, Unbreakable was the first song that Siren ever wrote. And when we were recording, the dog was barking. So we <laughs> recorded her and she is in the gang vocals. And actually before we named that song, the song's name was Bork. So uh, she's in there borking away on Unbreakable. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that you called it Bork and that, that you just kept it. Yeah. Well, actually, every song after that we named Bork until we <laughs> named friends, like Bork 1, Bork, Bork 2, two Bork yeah. 3. <laughs> One thing I wanted to chat with you about is like your live performances. And as you mentioned, you, brought, you bring fans up on stage. And I find that you have quite an interactive performance. And one of the things that I'm not too familiar with is the plank. So can you tell me a bit more about that? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, something new that we did for Loud as Hell last year. We knew the layout of the stage and we knew, you know, kind of that they had that um, the, the, barrier. the barrier there. And a buddy of ours, we were just like, hey, like, can we bring you up on stage and just slaughter you and then walk you off a plank? And he's like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> no question. Like, yeah, just I super mean, pumped for it. it. And yeah, so Paul actually built that himself. And uh, at Loud as Hell, we had it up at the merch booth and we got a ton of people to sign it. And we actually still have it in our jam space and we bring it out every now and then for mm -hmm. kids shows. And we have, so at the rec room last year, we did it. We had just on a couple of milk crates and we had a friend of ours kind of walking the kids down the plank, off the stage. And obviously, well, we play Walk the Plank. Yeah, turn the song, <laughs> Walk the Plank, yeah. But yeah, no, it's just been um, a really fun add-on. So if, you know, if a venue allows for us to to walk, have people walk the plank, we always definitely want to include that where we can, but also depending on where we're traveling, if we have room for it, it's a big thing as well, mm -hmm. so. I encountered that last year at your merch booth when I was um, just looking at every everything that was for sale, basically, and I saw this plank with a bunch of signatures, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. That's yeah, it was, it was really strange, because I didn't know what was going on, but yeah, it's pretty cool that you incorporate that into your live performance, but that's not where everything ends. Like, you've had mosh pit sword fights and everything. Oh, yeah. We do that a lot. Sword <laughs> fight, mosh pits are so much fun. Yeah. We usually try to make sure that we have, you know, some swords for a certain amount of people that can join into that, but people who have been to Siren shows before bring back their swords they to their them. shows and keep them, and they have bring them back. a buddy who's, and... like, hung his up, like, in his living room, and he's got them, like, crossed on his back wall above his couch. Like, yeah. like they really... Yeah, the fans are really into it, so we're glad for that. And it's, it's just so cool to see people moshing around, fighting yeah. with swords. Like, how could that not be fun? <laughs> I recently did a recording with Sword Guy. You're familiar with him? He's the guy that That's... we made walk the plank out of hell. So yes, we did it. We totally executed it on stage. <laughs> That's awesome. He, um, so I had a doubt with him about his kind of origin story and, and what he does at shows. So do you have a similar, I guess, approach to bringing swords to the show? Or are they the foam, small foam ones? Or like, what, what do you? Oh, we've had a few different kinds. We've had like plastic ones, we've had foam ones, we've had the blow up ones. Yeah. Um, they're not easy to find though. 
So if, if like you're in a Dollarama and you find them, <laughs> let me know, <laughs> buy them out. I will reimburse you. Like they are not easy to find. So lately we've been, um, ordering the blow up swords just because they're, you know, easy to transport and they're cheap and then, um, they're easy to blow up at the show and we sign them and stuff like that before we hand them out. So any, um, sword that gets thrown off the stage has full band signatures and all that fun stuff oh, ready cool. to go on it. Yeah. And, and we try to make sure that we do that and then. You know, if we have some extras, we sell them at the booth or give them away sometimes as well. So, but that is definitely something we always try to come to every show mm -hmm. with. I think the biggest reason you can't find them at the Dollarama is because Chad goes and takes them all. And we've bothered him about them. Yeah, we we've been, no. We're like, you're taking up all of our supply, <laughs> dude. What's going on there? But he's in Edmonton. So he, we're in Calgary. Yeah. So there's there's that going for him. But, but yeah, every time I've literally had people in Dollarama look at me like, why do you have 85 <laughs> Well, that's all you have. That's all you have. <laughs> if you want to buy, I would have taken Maybe those two. Maybe you might have more. Oh, yeah. It's like they're asking and they're because like, you have so many. You're saying you well, don't have enough. We yeah. don't. I literally, I'll go into the dollar store and be like, can I order these in bulk? And they're like, no. Like, Why? Why clearly, Why can I not order these in yeah. bulk? <laughs> Who's your supplier? Come well, on. Tell me. Yeah. Back to the whole female-fronted thing. And Lixie mentioned your race being not a concern necessarily, but being it. Um, topic at some point so have you actually experienced like racism in metal or any kind of i guess adverse reactions to you being involved somehow i've don't the main reason i ask is because i listened to an interview with lingo brutalica um and i can't remember the name of their guest but she was speaking about that kind of stuff in metal and personally i've never experienced it i've never witnessed it so it was a surprise to me and i just would like to know your experience yeah for sure i mean racism i've experienced of course as you can imagine i'm 28 years old as often as you can say but in the metal scene, it's not so much like this outwardly malicious intent from people. It's more so that they're just very surprised that I am in this genre. They're very surprised that I'm both as a woman and as a black woman in this genre. So it's not like a malicious thing all the time, but it's just they're they're not quite ready, I guess, to see me on stage. And then I always bring up bands like Seven Dust and stuff. And I'm just like, there's people out there and Alice in Change is new singer. and. And Lenny Kravitz and Jimi Hendrix and Slash and I'm like, man, we've been out here. Like it's 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 you know, it's part of being a person. Like you listen to music and you like it and you love it and and it doesn't have to do anything with that. Like it's you, you know who you are and do it. Definitely people bring it up to me for sure. That is definitely people actually I guess bring they're it having to you. like they they Oh for sure, okay. absolutely. Like, I can't believe that you like metal and you're black. Like I'll say that where they they will like hound me right off the stage like i'm coming down with my like i can't believe it i'm just like why <laughs> like we've got blues we've got rock and roll we've got metal like yeah. it's, it's it's part of the human experience i would say and, and like, why are there so many white people in it's, it's very <laughs> <laughs> i've bothered to ask some people and i'm like maybe you shouldn't be here no, right? <laughs> no it's definitely it's been brought up and and i'm never like you know i'm never gonna cry about it or anything it's just some people don't know what they don't know and no, if my presence educates them, then that's more the better. But it's uh, it's definitely been brought up for sure. There is, there is the one thing I yeah. will say is that we have had a couple of negative episodes with it. And I, mm. I do want to point out that um, we have a zero tolerance against it. Like if, yeah. if anyone, if you ever mm. hear any racial slurs or mm -hmm. um, any discrimination at shows, not not only for that, but for anything, for anything like they're gone. Like... We have a zero tolerance policy for bullying, for any ignorance any any um, sort of ignorance like that and if we hear it then you're gone i find it surprising that even like with extreme metal that there's still that kind of mentality because you have bands like suffocation sepultura who've been around for decades and then newer bands like friends of sacrifice like it, again it doesn't matter your background at all like if you're good you're good yep 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And if you suck, you suck. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'm like, come on, like, come on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly though, it's yeah. like, if you enjoy it and you have a love for it and, it and you feel something when you do it, like just do it. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're good or if you suck or if you do it on stage or in your car or in your shower, just do it for the love it. of music. Yeah. Please just keep doing it. Cause that's how I got into it. It wasn't because I saw people that looked like me necessarily, or even that I saw girls all the time or black people. It's just, I like metal and I wanted to rock and roll, you know? So that's what I'm doing. It's not always about that. And people make it about that because of their own personal issues, but. It's not like that with me. Actually, Lix, that's a perfect segue to my next question. So I read somewhere, and I don't remember where, if it was an interview or if it was on a website or something, but I read that you were a fan of Siren before actually joining. However, I can't seem to find anything on that now that I look back. So is that- This true? chick came oh, to yeah. Ferns. Oh yeah, I went to- Girl, the like, yeah. And that was, that was such a big thing to you when, when yeah. she kind of let us know that she wanted to audition. I was like, yeah. she's been there. I've been and there. Like, I know she came on. in, rocked out the songs, threw on flavor on it. Like it was perfect. Apparently. There was no way that she was not joining <laughs> when she auditioned. Which I'm absolutely so, no I'm way. so glad for. But yes, absolutely. I went to all their shows. I think I only missed one maybe because mm -hmm. they were relatively new. And so I went out. I've known Sloan before. She's booked my previous band, uh, Days I Die. We were like an old punk band um, that I was in before. So I've already sort of known her. Um, on a professional level, but then yeah, I went to shows, we became friends and all that, and then they were looking for a bassist, and there it was. And she's never leaving. No, I'm not allowed to leave. <laughs> yes. I will lock her in the basement if I have to. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't have to. I'm sorry to anyone who won't let me try out for any other band, so sorry. <laughs> I love them too much, so. And you both have touched on it in previous interviews about your origin story and when you got into music, so I'm not going to ask you that same kind of question, but Sloan, it stood out to me that you were heavily inspired to become involved in metal by Amanda Kiernan of Into Eternity. I was. What exactly was it about her that convinced you to get involved? So, I mean, I've been a vocalist for quite some time. I took lessons when I was younger and all that fun stuff, and my introduction to metal has been a long one. It was quite a crescendo when I was, you know, in high school. I was all into R&B and Whitney and TLC and all that kind of stuff, and then I got into... Um, classic rock like CCR and then further that into the Scorpions who's one of my favorite bands in the world mm -hmm. followed by you know some heavier stuff and into metal and so one of my first introductions to local metal was Calgary Metal Fest in I don't even remember what year but Into yeah. Eternity was there and I think it was one of Amanda's first performances with them and I was in awe I was like I need to do this this chick is absolutely unreal and it just like this sparked my soul so incredibly that I was like, I have to do this. And as soon as my daughter was old enough that she was self-sufficient and I could start jamming, then I did. And here we are now. But yeah, and the coolest part about that is Amanda actually featured on our last album with me. And that was just a super unreal experience. Yeah. You know, we become friends. And that's kind of one thing I love about the metal scene is it's just, it's, it's not so tightly knit, but it is tightly enough knit that you can be friends with your idols in metal. Like everyone's nice and just generally happy to talk to you about stuff and you know not stuck up like oh i'm above you and i don't want to mm -hmm. speak with you whatever like you have the ability to make friends with your idols in metal and i just love that and amanda is like a huge friend of mine and i she's one of my favorite people in the world and the experience recording with her was just so much fun like something that i'll remember for the rest of my life for sure I had a good chat with Amanda. This is when I first started the podcast. So I think it was episode four that Amanda joined me for. And she was, she explained that she was a fan of Into Eternity before joining. And I can imagine that feeling quite awesome. So Lix, your introduction to Siren runs parallel to Amanda's intro to Into Eternity. And Sloan, you're joined not only on stage, but on one of your tracks to sing one of Siren's songs. How does it feel to get on stage with like your main inspiration? Oh, 
amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. It, it takes me a bit because I, I do get quite emotional with music. And if I if it gets to a point where I'm choked up, I can't sing. So Amanda and I, you know, we had to grow out a lot and pump each other up and just be like, Kate, we're not going to go there. Like, we're just going to have fun. And I have this thing that's maybe not the best thing. But when I get um, into an emotional state on stage where I feel like I'm starting to choke up because I obviously I can't sing when I'm like that. Um, I will find the least interested person in the venue that I can find. And I'll look at that person and be like, why aren't you listening? <laughs> you're here. You're here. Why are you not involved? I like, why, why do you look over there? Like you're pissed off. I mean, you got a beer in your hand. Like, you're out on a weekend. Like yeah, you're, here to have, you're here to see a show. Right. So I kind of pinpoint those people and I'm just like, okay. And then it makes my emotions kind of lessen a little bit and I'm okay. <laughs> Turn into rage. <laughs> not necessarily rage, but just like not as much emotion filled. Yes. But, yeah. but yeah, but um, on stage with Amanda, I mean, it was funny because the first time that we were on stage together, she came up and did Dead Men with us and we totally won it. <laughs> we only practiced it like two or three times together and ended up, she was so nervous and like she just, of course, knocked it out of the park. She's an engineer and and um, yeah, one of the coolest experiences, and then again, writing with her and recording with her, and then again, performing with her, it's just been unreal. So yeah, it's cool. one of the coolest things I've ever done, for sure. When I was looking up a couple of things online, I, again, I saw this somewhere, and it was only one note, but it said that she was X into Eternity, but I don't know anything about that, and I couldn't find any other information. So can you confirm whether she or not she's still in the band? I can confirm that she is not in the band, but I cannot offer any more No, that's fair. I'm not going to, I wouldn't ask you to do that. That sucks. It does. I, I that one broke my heart for sure. Amanda Kiernan, well, sorry, Into Eternity's last album was called Call of the Sirens, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's any kind of connection between that and um, your imagery, your theme. Not at all, actually. When I came out, I was like, what? They did like an album about sirens. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah, we were pumped about it. We and saw it's... the album art and all that. We yeah. were like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And then, so, and then, ironically yeah. enough, it's funny because like. Call of the Siren came out of the mix from Edmonton, and then we played with Siren's Brain at Metal Lipstick Festival. Yeah. Like Siren everywhere. Siren, Siren, Siren. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was cool. But no, yeah, nothing, nothing, no correlation whatsoever to that. But uh, I thought they did an, like a great job with that album, and yeah, I, I really like. I do wonder what's coming next because I know that Steve Block rejoined them, and that was around the same time or just before um, Amanda and I had our chat, and they were going to go dual vocalists, and so I'm interested to see kind of where both their journeys take them. Other news though. Um, yeah, they did the dual vocal thing at Loud as Hell. Yeah. And they knocked it out of the park. Like it was just on feel good. But Amanda's been doing a lot of solo stuff too lately, which is really good too. And she's kind of like able to tap into herself a little bit more with this, I think, which is really great because she's such an inspiration. She's such a positive woman and like she's just so empowering. And I, a, I think it's. Yeah, she's solid. She is. She's, yeah. yeah, she's just a powerhouse like through and through. And uh, I'm really glad to see her getting out there and doing her own thing as well. It's cool that she can go from like metal back to pop and stuff like that. And actually, Sloane, you have experience in opera, classical, and Motown, which I'm not familiar with all. But what are some of the biggest differences in vocal techniques when learning to sing the genres? And was it ever difficult to switch between the genres? Um, that's a really good question, actually, and something I haven't actually thought about that before. Is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the the training that I had when I was younger plays a part in anything that I sing. Um, but there are definitely different. Um, components to it whereas if I'm going to sing rhythm and blues there's probably more runs there that I'm doing and um, more scaly type stuff with rhythm and blues which I do try to incorporate into siren as well um, but one thing that I found when I started singing metal is just that I had to push that power like a lot so sometimes when I'm pushing that power as hard as I am it's hard to pull back a little bit from it so I find it's a little bit more difficult to sing the softer stuff once I'm such like 
put so much power into the rest of it. But the, um, I guess the technique of it is all the same. It just depends kind of, again, like we were talking with Jesse and air support and, you know, the shape of your mouth, it all kind of comes back to that as, as to how you execute it. And so which vocal techniques do you use most now when, in or, sorry, incorporate now when you're, when you are singing for metal? I guess, like, from my perspective, maybe I think that opera would probably be the, the most translatable, if that's even a word, um, mostly because of the power and the lung capacity. Yeah, and I definitely try to throw that in there. So I, I do a lot of vocal warm-ups and a lot of scales, and I try to do really quick ones too. Um, but sometimes a jam, you know, I'll lay on the floor because it's a lot more difficult to push your breath out when you've got gravity against you. Hmm. Um, so that is an exercise that I do is I'll lay on the floor and I'll try to sing through the set like that as best I can. Um, and that just helps me with my breathing capacity. Every now and then I'll put a heavy book over my diaphragm so I can see it raise up and down. So I know that my diaphragm is working correctly, but that having that additional pressure and, and gravity working against me just you know allows me to push harder. It actually kind of forces me to. When you're actually um, lying on the ground, it you said, like, it's, like you said, it puts more pressure on the diaphragm. So when you're standing up, you can actually kind of recreate that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it just makes it easier because you don't have the factor of gravity working against you. So I find if I push myself harder on the ground, then it's easier for me to do when I'm not. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, like say, running or doing cardio with, say, weighted clothing or, or weights on you. And yeah. then when you... Yeah, and I mean, even in the past, I've, I've gone on an elliptical and tried to sing my set. Jesus. You're an elliptical because you're on stage and you're, you're moving. moving around so much and you're up and down and all over the place and... That's a workout in itself, right? So if you're when you're practicing, you can kind of incorporate that cardio with your with your vocal warm ups or your vocal practicing, and it, it helps for sure. That's true. I'll add our first show after COVID. I was completely out of breath. It was like even a short set. It wasn't even our biggest show, and I was like, oh goodness, I haven't been on stage in so long. <laughs> so yeah, practicing cardio, ten out of ten. Everyone do that, no matter what your instrument is. I would say. <laughs> Yep. I never thought about singing the set on, on a treadmill, but Lix, have you ever taken the bass on the treadmill? No, <laughs> but I want to now that you've Now she's going that. to. We oh, will have yeah. a video for that too. Oh, I'm so, I'm so ready. I'm so into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that would be probably the best idea. Because I want to be there. I was so I was so dead after COVID. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Me too. There were a couple of times yeah. I turn around and I look at my drummer and I'm like, holy fuck. And he's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> We're, we're out of our league. And at, after Loud as Hell, it was the first year we played. I, I nearly overheated off stage and I felt so bad because this, you have to. the girl that I mentioned, who was, you know, maybe five or something that was on stage with us, mm -hmm. I had promised that I'd come over and meet her and, you know, sign an autograph for her. And I was so exhausted off the stage and it was so hot at Loud as Hell. And that was when it was indoor. So all of like everybody's body heat was in there. It was Lights. so hot. Yeah. And um, so I got off the stage and I immediately took everything off and I was just like, okay, sit and relax and then I was like oh my gosh I have to go and see that little girl so I put everything back on again and I went up and found her and oh yeah, yeah moments like that but um yeah it's good because yeah even indoor shows or outdoor shows can be so extremely hot and physically demanding and mm -hmm. us like as you've seen if you've looked at how interactive our shows are like we're constantly moving we've gone into the crowd sometimes and we've been interacting with crowds and this and that we're doing this straight for 45 minutes to an hour to so an hour and a half I yeah think is the top that it's we've, the we've biggest, done an hour and yeah, a half so, so and that's just like straight go no break just go 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 yeah it's physically demanding yeah. for sure but we love it we do we love it. Yeah. we're living for it yeah oh yeah I no, hate making music let's go back on stage <laughs> <laughs>
Don't put me on the treadmill then. No. <laughs> Gosh, I want to now. I'm just like playing some games or something. Or we're, gonna do it. we're gonna go to the gym, Brandon. Oh yeah. We're gonna record you on the treadmill playing your bass. Just, oh, just don't do fall, it. please. I, think, I know. <laughs> I think I think a siren gym video is in order then. Oh my gosh. We're gonna I'm, have I'm the down. ball doing it. We're gonna have everybody lined up on oh I'm so down treadmills oh, yeah. playing their instruments. The exception we gotta figure something out for the drummer, but sticks. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, you can't really put a drummer yeah. on a treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. obviously to the theme of Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> yeah. With and on a more sort of serious note, like your vocal prep for like the show days is like no no talking and you have like the steamers right? i'm very strict yeah with yeah. vocals and sometimes i make my band do warm-ups with me which is which is fine because <laughs> how bad we are um <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm very strict on show days where i don't eat any dairy because you know it can just get really mucky and kind of create phlegm in your throat um mm-hmm. i definitely always have a shot before i hit the stage because <laughs> it clears kind of all that out and <laughs> burns it right out um but i do steam um, if we're in a position that I can shower, I do definitely have a hot shower and steam for quite a while and do my warm-ups in the shower and in the steam. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not talking until, uh, with the exception of a sound check, until we actually play. It's interesting you brought up dairy because I was chatting with Rad Zarayev Grosev and um, I didn't talk with him about this, but I noticed on his Instagram page he put uh, one of, I, I don't know if it was a recovery thing or if it was a warm-up thing, but he uses chocolate milk a lot. So I wonder if the dairy thing is actually maybe dependent upon what style of, or style of vocals you're trying to use because he's got a very like abrasive fashy sound to him whereas if you're going cleans and it could be yeah because for me anyway i find that dairy just kind of provides that extra coating on your throat that you don't necessarily want or that i don't necessarily want but um i do know sometimes that if i've played a few shows in a row and i'm a little bit raspy um sometimes you kind of hope for that extra coating because it's just a little more moisture in your in your throat and your vocal cords and whatnot right so you know if it works for him all the power to him so it's all it's also up to timing then right yeah yeah i mean i guess i guess it depends like everybody's regime is different and their their warm-ups and stuff are different but um and some people you know they're great maybe they can talk and scream and yell right up until they play um but it also depends how long you're playing for how many shows in a row you're playing all that kind of thing. for both of you what drew you to have your music and who were some of the first metal bands you were into i don't know if it's metal specifically but i really like growing up guns and roses and godsmack and then a little bit farther back the rolling stones for like my top three bands listening to growing up so that is what got me into bass like as in like i learned like every song that they ever released on bass as much as possible played it over and over albums front to back and stuff like that so it's not exactly metal influence but it definitely got me on the pathway towards my heavier stuff those guys yeah, I mean, for me, it was kind of the same, like Whitney Houston's Total Powerhouse, mm-hmm. um, Scorpions, Day for Me Trooper, you know, all those hair, glam metal, Motley Crue is a big thing. Yeah. By the way, Motley Crue, if you're listening to this, I hear that you need a new singer. So. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> I'm here if you need it. Bye, <laughs> Vince. Vince. I don't mean to be a dick, but you don't need to hear it. You just need to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can choose a replacement. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's how bad I would be on stage no matter what. So that's why I don't play music. That's a, that's my shower voice for sure. It's been sneaky. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. And what about now? Who are some of the bands on your heavy rotation? Well, for me, I mean, UTA on the Archers. Huge fan of them. Um, I love Battle Beast. I love Beast in Black. Um... As far as locals go, like Quietus is a huge one of mine. I love that band so much. 
And if CJ and I ever get a chance to sing together, I will bow at the man's yeah. feet. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was like, Listen. that's a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, um, feel free to tell us. I mean, if you want to. But yeah, for me, I guess I listen for metal is like Monuments and August Burns Red. Love to kill switch, Lamb of God. Oh, Lorna Shore. Stuff. Sorry, Lorna Shore. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that course. Stuff. Angel Maker. Oh, yeah. Angel Maker. I saw them for the first time oh. last year and I'm, I've been hooked. They were fucking awesome. I was like, yo, yeah. you've got to be front. At first, we were like, do we go to the back so we can see the whole show? Oh, or do we go, come to the front so we can like feel everything? And, and they're like, okay, let's work security and then we can actually. <laughs> yeah, so we were like front and center yeah. when they came on and she's like, oh my God, yeah, okay, yeah. I see where you're coming oh, yeah. from now. Yeah, so. There's not enough bass drops in that band. They need, like, Obviously, they no. have more than you. Well, it was funny because I, I went to a show, oh God, maybe six, six or seven months ago, and it was the Trivium, and I can't oh, remember yeah, who yeah. else was there, and I was just in such like a like a deathcore mode yeah. that I was standing there, and I was like, there aren't enough breakdowns in this for me right now. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm not feeling it in my core as much as I, I should that, be, and yeah. I was kind of pissed about it, so clearly I need to attend more death metal shows. More, yeah. Death core shows. More core. Yeah. You need more core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not terribly familiar with many Canadian power metal bands, so Unleash the Archers and Ravenous are pretty much the only bands that I can think of off the top of my head. So where are some other Canadian power metal bands who deserve some extra love? I know, that's, oh, oh, that's hard. That's yeah. a really tough question, actually. From Specifically from Canada, that's the hard question. <laughs> this is going to be a total dead air one because, yeah, Unleash the Archers for sure. Yeah, I know everyone I'm thinking of is not from Canada. Then you should omit that question. It's so tough. <laughs> no, it's not that question either. It's not. Just, I mean, we're not in that headspace. I would have to Google that, and I don't want to. Yeah, I would that. have to Google that too. <laughs> I don't want to. It's Google sad that, because so. you know I'm a promoter and I should know. We should things, know. But... I feel bad too because I'm sure there's plenty that we've come across. I wish there were more. Let's say that. Totally. And I wish there were. I think Canada. Canada has a bunch of talents coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just I would like to see more Canadian power metal, but. Um... Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, Hyperspace um, definitely does a lot with power metal. Yeah. Um, Ex Mortis is amazing. I don't recall if they're Canadian or not. Ex Mortis? And they're know. not even, they're just like neoclassical type, like really, really amazing. I don't know about, yeah, specifically power metal. That's Canadian. She is. Oh, sorry, I'm totally Googling. <laughs> she is. I was like, Hyperspace. I'm not going to go. Oh, Riot City, Kate. Okay. Riot City. They're more speed metal. Yeah. Um, Traveler, they're great. I thought they were more uh, like heavy metal. I wonder if they're just like, I wonder if they're, what's coming up is like a lot of mixtures because I found like even with you That's why I'm thinking like it's not specifically a power metal band. Well, because where did, where did he come from before Traveler? Who in Traveler? JP. <laughs> Who's their singer? JP. Yeah. He was in something before That's Traveler. True. And for the life of me, I cannot remember. Is Power Glove? Power metal? No, they're like. Video no. game metal. Video game metal. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. They are, but I was like, power. I mean, obviously, Striker's pretty iconic. Is um, is Power Glove Canadian? I don't even know. See, I could be. I don't think they are. I could be. Just, oh, Iron Kingdom. There's another good. Iron one. Kingdom. Yeah. I, Kingdom. I should have said that. Great. Silver Talons. No, Silver Talons. U.S. Apprentice. Mm, they're pretty great too. Ophelia Falling is more of like a melodic than a power, but they're really great too. They're out of BC as well. Um, yeah, there's there should be more. There should be more. That's our that's our answer. Mind you, we're also more familiar with the Western scene than the Eastern scene. So there's probably you know, a more. good chance that there's a lot more out in the Eastern scene that we just haven't learned about yet. It's it's almost impossible to keep up with everybody. 
Actually, it is impossible. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how many good metal bands are coming out. Yeah, agreed. What made you choose a power metal as a direction, and what inspired you to adopt the pirate theme or aquatic siren theme? That would be you. Oh, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the pirate thing, I when I was younger, I moved around a lot in my life. Um, my parents worked oil and gas, so you know we were kind of all around Canada, Newfoundland, um, Montreal, Vancouver, Alberta. And then I did a lot of water sports. So I kind of just connected, you know, all of that. Um, and then also I just, I really liked the the mythological um, folklore of the siren and how she, you know, would lure the the sailors in with her voice and then just kind of captivate them and then just eviscerate them after. So <laughs> I just, I really liked that about it. And I just, I loved that, you know, a voice could entrance somebody so much that, you know you just take over and so that's just i ran with it and i feel like we i try to incorporate that into the vocals of our songs and just try to grip people as best i can uh, but the power i mean that would come from the operatic background in me for sure yeah that's a good transition for like yeah. going from opera to power metal makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. i just it fit it was what i you know felt comfortable with and people seem to like it once we hit the stage so here we are <laughs> Still doing it. Yeah, and there's no point in doing karaoke with you. You're way too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, impossible. Okay, it's okay. an impossible endeavor. <laughs> Unless I'm really drunk. Then, then, it, then I can't sing worth then the it's shit. Easier. Yeah, it's easier. I cannot sing at all. But she really still drunk. has like absolutely destroyed as in like killed us during our practices. And she's like, oh, sorry, my voice hurts today. And we're like, what are you talking about? It's a she's feeling. Like, it's she's a like, I'm half-assing it today. I'm like, okay, whatever. Operatic <laughs> vocals here. Like, come on. If I can feel it inside. It doesn't feel right. Then I know. <laughs> I watched a couple of your previous interviews and you touched on new music. And I know we chatted a little bit before the recording about it as well. So obviously you've been working on new stuff. And so what does your timeline look for your new release? Oh, I would say spring 2024. Probably it's kind of nice to have the winters and everything to work right. on that stuff when there's not as many festivals and shows happening and whatnot and where the weather is shitty and gives you stuff to do. <laughs> so I would say yeah, spring summer 2024 is when we're hoping to have the next one out. Yeah. And uh, if you've heard Succubus Queen, that uh, was just kind of a, a little inkling as to what's to come for Siren. Nice. Are you working on another full length album or will you be moving towards like EPs and singles? I've noticed a lot of bands are moving towards the latter uh, in part, kind of stay relevant, but also make sure that they always have something coming out. That's actually been a debate within the band about yeah. what we're going to do. We're are we going to do a full length? So we are still in discussions because um, if I remember correctly, the full length is just over 30 minutes, right? And the EP is under 30 minutes. So um, I guess ultimately it would depend on how long our songs end up being and yeah. how many we managed to write within a certain amount of time that would then decide, you know, how we're going to release it. But we're going to still be releasing singles prior to any sort of EP or album that we do. Awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Are you guys going to be continuing you. with your current story? Like, I know that you had two separate perspectives, oh, yeah. or are you going to kind of just um, flesh out the universe a little bit more? A bit of both, I think. Yeah. yeah, like, it's always going to be kind of that same siren-y, um, enticing thing obviously the second album is more from the pirate and sailor perspective than from the siren perspective but we do also plan to branch out there will always be well. like concepts like we always like to go off of a story so it may not be the story that everyone's familiar with but we're always looking to have a story a plot of sorts and then build on it let's just say there's going to be a lot of crossbreeding in <laughs> <laughs> the next album That's the right way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely happening yeah <laughs> And before we started the recording here, um, you mentioned the Anchor and Notion. So can you tell me a little bit more about those? Yeah. So um, 
the anchor is going to be playing their first show in Calgary, actually, and that's going to be September 12th at the Rec Room. Um, with notions from Austin, Texas, and sorry, the anchors from Denver, Colorado. And um, their singer, Lindsay Ray, is just like the most adorable girl that I've ever seen. And she she's just like Desi's, like she just <laughs> puts it all out there. And she's also known for, she's got a YouTube series called Metal Kitchen, where she just like cooks and spouts out recipes while she's cooking and just growls in. It's just, if, if you haven't seen it, like definitely check it out. It's, it's really, really cool. So I'm pumped to have them out. That's going to be on my birthday, which is cool. And also um, Box Entertainment's seven-year anniversary show and all ages. So we're really pumped for that because we are trying to play as many all ages shows yeah. moving forward as we can. We really love to be able to include that crowd. That sounds really good. I'm just looking at the Anchors website here because I had no idea who they were. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. check them out yeah, and, totally. and let us know what you think because she's, she's another like ace in the hole, man. She's awesome. I am quite picky with metalcore. I don't find a lot of metalcore bands that I enjoy, but that's just because I generally gravitate towards a really intense heavy stuff with absolutely no clean vocals but i'm trying That's my fair. best to i guess broaden my horizons and I, there's still a lot of talent in in all these genres it's just not what i gravitate towards yeah and they do a bit of both like same similar to siren they got some fast stuff some slower stuff some you know more heavy stuff and more melodic stuff so yeah and then you said box box entertainment seven year anniversary is coming up so obviously run the promotion what would you call it a promotional company like um yep. yeah live live promotions and live music promoting yeah how did you get into that side of things <laughs> so that's actually pretty funny i used to host karaoke <laughs> a long time ago and um one of my friends longtime friends um and her dad um, ended up owning a bar and she was just like hey like you know a lot of people in the scene why don't you throw a show here I was like sure why not i'll give it a shot <laughs> so i did and it like went amazingly and then after that I just had a ton of people reaching out like oh hey can we book a show with you too and it just snowballed from there so yeah that's then I feel like I got a little bit better at it as I learned about it and, <laughs> and as I worked with You're you know um thank you yeah. worked with more people and different types of people and yeah it's always it's always fun to work with you know any new bands or bands that I've worked with before and I love when tourists come through I love bands first shows you know all that all that mm-hmm. fun stuff it's just it's always a blast awesome well, my last question for you today is, are you going to be attending Loud as Hell, even though you're not playing? Yeah, absolutely. We'll be oh, there. yeah. There are yeah. I don't think I don't think we could miss one. No, we're lifers now. Is that what they say? Yeah, they're lifers. Yeah, we're lifers. That just seems to be the way. Like, everyone I talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, I've come back every single year since I started. Yeah, that's me, too. I've only been, what, like, three, four-ish years yeah. with them, helping out with, like, merch and stuff and all that. Um as well as with Sloan stuff and so um it's been it's been amazing and stuff and so yeah even though we don't play we will definitely still be there we yeah definitely. awesome well I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to catching up with you both and if they have a cancellation we'll be quick to fill it <laughs> by the way yeah. hey jeff love yeah. you buddy <laughs> sire's always here for you dude yeah oh yeah well ladies i had a blast chatting with you today and i like i said i'm looking forward to catching up with you at loud as hell so if people are looking for your music who aren't already familiar with it, where's the best place for them to find it for you? We're on pretty much every platform. Um, we're on Spotify, we're on Bandcamp, but if you just head to our Facebook page and our About section, we've got a link tree that will link you to every single yeah. one of our links that, that we have. 
I think we're everywhere except maybe Tidal. <laughs> that one, I don't even know. I don't even know what that but, is. You know, yeah. our distro, yeah. Amazon Music, YouTube yeah. Music, Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere that wherever people get music, I'm sure we'll be there. We're there. Yep. Yeah. And if not, let us know and we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> and if anyone wants hard copies or physical forms, please mm -hmm. email us. Yeah, we got new merch coming yeah, out. We can, we can send you anything. We are international. We so. ship. Yes. We do ship it. So get on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know you need some. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you both so much for joining me today. Uh, I had a blast and we'll chat soon. That sounds great. Thanks thank so you much for having much, us. Jeff. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.